Welcome to The Screeners, episode 14. Today, we discuss the new cross-promotion starring Ron Burgundy. Next, we explore the idea of a new business model that some are describing as Netflix for books. Chris Pine takes over as the new Jack Ryan. Will this new trailer make us want to see the latest from the world of Tom Clancy? We wrap up our jump cuts with a discussion of one of the greatest shows of our time, the series finale of Breaking Bad. In our main event, we review the newest film from Alfonso Cuaron, Gravity. And in the cutting room floor, we talk about our favorite shows from the fall, our disappointments, and our surprises. Let's go. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome to the Screeners Podcast. This is Melody. And Chad. I'm Chris. And Josh. And we're back again after a rather long and unintentional hiatus to talk all things media. We've missed you guys over the break, but we are ready for an awesome fall season of dissecting and discussing some of our favorite and least favorite TV shows, movies, games, books, and whatever else strikes our fancy. If you have something you'd like to hear us talk about, please drop us a comment at ScreenersPodcast.com or send us an email at ScreenersCast at gmail.com. So let's get right into our show for this week with Jump Cuts. All right, Jump Cuts is our lightning round where we bring up current media news and have 60 seconds to discuss. And if any of us goes over our allotted time, you'll hear this sound. And then we will, you know, vote on whether we're going to talk about it longer or not. So, without any further ado, let's get right into it. All right, so my question for this week is, a friend showed me some very hysterical videos yesterday, and I wanted to make sure that all of you guys have seen them. And if you're listening to the show and you haven't seen them, you need to go on our show notes right now and watch them right now. And they are the um, Ron Burgundy uh, cross-promotion ads with the Dodge Durango. Very hysterical. Will Ferrell stars, of course. And they're super funny. So you need to watch them. But my question is for you guys, first of all, which is your favorite one? Because I'd like to know. But secondly, and more importantly, what do you think about this type of cross promotion? Let's start with Josh. Ooh, favorite one. I was not prepared for that. I think I've only seen two. There was the glove box. And what are the others? Anyone? There's a horse. There's dancers. There's... (laughs) Whoa. Uh, all I'm, kinds of I'm missing out. Yeah, if no, you man, haven't man. seen a horse, that needs to happen. I like the, horse the glove is, box. The oh. horse is a staring contest. It's fantastic. Oh, cool. I'll have to look that up. Well, anyway, first there was the book, the Ron Burgundy autobiography that we talked about a couple episodes ago. Yep. And now there's this. And the thing is, I normally I would be annoyed at this, but I really don't mind the shameless cross-promotion because Will Ferrell is hilarious. And the... These ads and the cross promotion has been a lot funnier than the actual teasers for the movie that we've seen so far. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Which is a whole different topic. But my question is why they're pushing the sequel so hard with all these various vectors. Do they think people have forgotten the character or Will Ferrell? Or do they just know the marketing won't bother us for the reasons I mentioned? So they're going to milk it all they can because they're soulless money vultures. And I think I just answered my own question. Wow. <laughs> Your worldview is That's the sad. Josh I remember. I'll be here Very. all week. <laughs> Very sad. <laughs> okay, awesome. Chris, what do you think? Is this a gumball machine? No, it's a Dodge Durango. 
<laughs> I believe the question was, which was your favorite, our, and what do you think about cross-promotion? Our, our break has not game. improved your impersonation skills. Uh, no, it hasn't at all. But that was my favorite line, and it was amazing. And I, I think, I think Josh, I think the point of this is to bring familiarity to the character so people remember that, oh, yeah, that's right, I remember that movie that I watched five years ago. It was funny, and maybe I'll go see the new one. So I think it's just a, a matter of getting Ron Burgundy's face everywhere so that when it comes time for the movie to come out, people will say, yeah, those commercials were funny. That movie was funny. I think I remember it a few years back. Maybe I'll go see the sequel. So I think it's going to work. I think it's going to work for everybody. And they don't take themselves too seriously. It's all very much on the nose. You know it's cross-promotion. You know you're – but it's it's pretty well done and, and funny. So I enjoy them. Chad, what about you? Yeah, I'm definitely a hypocrite when it comes to cross-promotion because when it's not funny or it's not effective, I hate it. And I'm like, why are they doing stupid cross-promotion? But when it's like this and it's funny and, yeah. I, and I care about it, then I'm like, they're brilliant. They should do more <laughs> cross-promotion. So, you know, I don't really have a lot to add to this conversation except to say if it's done well, it's pretty much like anything. If it's done well and it's funny, if in this case where it's trying to be funny, then I'm all for it. Certainly they're just doing it to get him back into the cultural consciousness again. But, yeah, I love it. It's funny. I'm all for it. Until it's not funny, then I hate it. Melody, what about you? For sure. I completely agree. I think, like, the viral, you know, the viral type ads are obviously a really great way to advertise. So if they can advertise two in one, that's awesome. My favorite one is definitely the one with the horse at the very end when he's, like, staring contest. Oh, I win. That's just, like, seriously, I was, like, peeing my pants laughing. But um, my friend and I are trying to come up with a viral, like, video for our Kickstarter that we're doing. So we were drawing inspiration from these videos because they're very funny. So well done, people. You are funny. All right, so I heard, well, I actually read about a month ago about a new kind of media app uh, starting out on just the iPhone, and I think they might be heading for an Android version, but right now it's just on iPhone, and I'm going to read just a little excerpt from the article to give you the summary of what it is. Today, which was about a month ago, like I said, New York-based startup Oyster is launching the beta version of its iPhone app. For $9.95 a month, you get unlimited access to the 100,000 titles from a range of publishers, including Harper Columns and Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Pen Penguin, Random House, Simon & Schuster, Hachette, and McMillan are so far notably absent from the list of announced partners. So what this is, essentially, is a Netflix-type subscription service for books, kind of a read-all-you-can service for 10 bucks a month. And so my question is, well, my questions are... A, what do you think of this just as a business model? And B, could you ever see yourself using something like this? And since this is about books, let's start with Chris. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I knew somebody was going to make a smart comment about me going first. Well, the, my number one thought on this is, is that it's only for iPhone. Um, there's no iPad version of it which is seems silly to me. I've never wanted to read a book on something the size of my iPhone. So for me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, but the, this, the idea I think is ripe for a good service. I think people would actually be very interested in it and it would do very well. I'm just not sure iPhone only makes sense. It needs to be on the iPad and obviously it needs to be on, you know, Android tablets and, and all that. Melody, how about you? 
Well, if you read the whole article, there was like an update to the article um, where they said that Amazon actually does already have a service like this for its Prime members. Right. Um, And they have 350,000 titles or whatever. So it's cheaper to do it that way. You you do have to have a Kindle device. um, So, you know, I think that's smart of Amazon to do that. But for me, like I look at it from two points of view as a as a reader, as a consumer, I think it's a great idea. And I would probably take advantage of it if there were enough titles that I wanted to read. But like right now, I'm literally in the middle of the entire book publishing process because um, I'm editing a book with my friend. And so from an author's perspective, I'm not sure I like this at all because it's just less money that's going to be, you know, put into the author's pockets, presumably. Um, I don't know if authors have any sort of benefit from having their books uh, on that other than more people read it maybe but anyways from the author perspective maybe not so great but from a reader's perspective sure if they've got titles I want to read I would probably pay for it all right Chad you the biggest problem with this right now certainly out of the gate is that it's limited to specific devices like an iPhone or like a Kindle device the great thing about Netflix, and it didn't start out this way, but the great thing about Netflix now is it's on literally everything. It's like on a yep. toaster, and I mean, you, it runs everywhere. And so that makes sense. But if it's going to be limited to specific devices, I would not be interested, <clears throat> even though I read a lot. I'm also, I'm still a little bit old school in as much, even though it's digital. I like to feel at least that I own books that I really want to read. So the price point for me would have to be low enough that it would uh, entice me to want to read things that I wouldn't normally buy that I might just have a casual interest in. But yeah, I like the idea. I think it has some possibilities, but it'd have to be refined in order for me to really you know, jump in. What about you, okay. Mr. Joshua? Well, I mean, it's a novel idea. See what I did there? Hey. Yeah. Anyone? Mm, oh. Yeah. Zing. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not sure that I'm really on board with it personally. Like, we're all busy. And with everything I have going on, I don't read quickly enough for this to actually work. It's, it's 10 bucks a month. And that's about the price of a book. Well, not a brand new release, but a book that's been out for a little while. Maybe a couple bucks less than one. But buying a book every month or let's say every two months would probably be about all I can handle. It's more than I read right now, which is sad, I know. But subscribing to this versus owning a book that I've bought every two months isn't economical. And the same things that you guys mentioned about being locked down to a device, though, I'm sure you could run it on your iPad in simulator mode because that's always great. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's it was a nice idea, but I really don't think the reading model lends itself to this kind of subscription-based service. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see it really taking off, especially because like you said, if it gets anything close to traction, Amazon's going to eat their lunch. So, yeah. Eh. Number 3. So for my jump cut, I wanted to talk about the new Jack Ryan movie, and it seemed topical because uh, Tom Clancy had just uh, passed away last week. And so I wanted to chat a little bit about, number one, if you guys had any, I, I wanted to see if you guys had any history with the Tom Clancy films or video games, and if you're excited about the new Jack Ryan movie, and also maybe perhaps how you feel about Tom Clancy's passing. So, uh, Chad, what do you think? 
Well, I never read anything by Clancy, although I know he was a prolific writer, and my grandfather had a stack of paperback Clancy books that he read. I can't believe I've read an author that you have not read. Yeah, no, so I didn't. But I do, I'm old enough that I do remember it being a big deal when Harrison Ford uh, played Jack Ryan in movies like Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games. And and I really loved those movies. They were, uh, they were exciting. But that's just not typically my kind of fiction uh, and I try to read a fiction and then a nonfiction back to back and I just never have have done that but uh, I I do love Chris Pine and I think this trailer is good and so well it's not good but I, but I'm excited about <laughs> the idea of maybe launching something again because I like the character of Jack Ryan and the potential that he has so yeah I you know I'm kind of apathetic but I'm definitely gonna see it and uh, but I really can't comment on the books uh, at all but trailer looks okay we'll see what happens Agreed. Okay. Melody, what do you think? I definitely have a history with the movies. Um, I'm a huge fan of like Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games. I've tried to read the book several times, but never gotten very far into them. Um, I guess they're not, it's not really my style of writing either. Um, but I have loved the movies. Similarly to Chad, I like Chris Pine. The trailer looks fine. I don't think there's anything in that trailer that would compel me to see the movie besides the name Jack Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's nothing that stands out about the plot uh, that that it looks interesting. But I'll see it because it's it's a Jack Ryan movie. Obviously, I don't want them to like ruin the franchise. But after the whole Ben Affleck in Some of All Fears. It's not like coming from a pinnacle of glory or anything like that. You didn't so, like some of all fears? It was fine, but I don't feel like it. I, I, I don't think that was like the mm. peak of its. Oh, of yeah. Its, you know what I'm saying? So it'll be fine and I'll see it, but I'm not like super duper excited about it. Josh, how about you? Ooh, a movie based on Tom Clancy characters starring Chris Pine and directed by the director of <laughs> Thor. <laughs> Could it not be Michael Bay or Jerry Bruckheimer, please? That would have been the perfect trifecta of theater repellent for me. I mean, <laughs> I'm still not going to see it. Wait a minute. You don't like Kenneth Branagh? Still not going to see Dude, it. Dude, yeah, Kenneth Branagh. Come on, man. That's you not... don't like Kenneth Branagh? Really? The, the joke uh, doesn't work unless he uses Thor as the example, though. Yes, so just yeah, let him go. I know Kenneth Branagh has name recognition. I don't know what else for, but... Hamlet. Did you Hamlet. see Hamlet? I did not see Hamlet. Oh, my gosh. Dude. Wow. It was amazing. I'm sorry. I'm not a big Shakespeare fan. Oh, Do you Lord. like anybody? Just not good you, Josh. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I hate freaking Jerry Bruckheimer and Michael Bay and Shakespeare. I just put them <laughs> all in the same kind of category. Yeah. They're just people I don't like. Yeah. It's <laughs> good. It's good. Oh, I love it. I, I just would have liked to see a Michael Bay explosion in the trailer to go along with everything. And maybe Chris Pine crying once. That would have been. There was totally a big explosion. And I think Chris Pine there does was, cry. That's true. Isn't, isn't he crying? <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right. Well, I, uh, I love Jack Ryan uh, as a character. You know, Alec Baldwin, you know, you've got Harrison Ford and Ben Affleck. All of those, char- uh, all those actors are... I think pretty fantastic uh, actors and I love the series Tom Clancy the espionage spy stuff is just one of my favorite genres of film and I I couldn't be more excited for this and Kenneth Branagh like I already mentioned I think he is 
a great actor and he's the bad guy in this and he's the director so i cannot i'm excited i I think it's going to be a pretty fantastic movie and i've I've been following its production and behind the scenes footage and all that stuff and now that i've got to see the trailer i'm i'm pumped so i can't wait to see it it's going to be good i think i hope you're right but you're probably not What I want to do is, first of all, ask you if you are all caught up with Breaking Bad and the series finale. Yes. Melody, yes. Josh? No, I don't watch Breaking Bad. I'm so sorry. What? (laughs) You wait. What? You are joking right now, right? I'm not joking. Oh, my goodness. No. This is disgraceful. Unbelievable. Josh, have you caught up with the end? Are you caught up? Television phenomena of our generation. It really is. Yes, I yes. Yes, you are. Okay. Actually, we would have DVR'd at the finale and watched it a week later, but this was such a thing that we actually watched it live, and it's good because in the next week everyone spoiled spoils it, right? Yeah, That's true. no doubt. Yeah. Definitely true. Well, the only reason I ask is because as fulfilling, and we're not going to spoil it. Let me say that, but as fulfilled oh. with the series conclusion as I was, I was interested to see that. At one point, Breaking Bad was actually offered the creators and the showmakers $75 million for them to make three additional episodes. And on the surface, that sounds like a great idea because personally, I think the show is so wonderful that, of course, I would like to have some more of it until I saw uh, exactly how it was going to happen. So I want to tell you what the plan was and get you get your thoughts on it. So evidently, Katzenberg from DreamWorks offered them $75 million, and his plan was to take these three episodes and break them into six-minute segments that the audience would then have to pay for a dollar at a time. So probably about $6 or $5 to buy these new episodes. Now, this is a new idea that I personally have never heard before, but they felt that the popularity of the show would drive sales through the roof. What do you guys think about, number one, the model, and if it ever was going to work, is Breaking Bad the show that maybe could have made it happen? Melody, what do you think, having not ever seen the series? Well, I I know like how much you guys love it. So taking that like love that that you guys have for it and like looking at it through that lens, I think that that idea sounds um, terrible. (laughs) Uh, Pay-per-view webisodes like just sounds dumb in general. But to like murder a show that you love by, I don't know, breaking it up and selling it. I don't know. It just seems awful. I don't know. But um, unless the show like really ended in some unsatisfying way and there was like great hope for some resolution in these episodes then maybe that would be a welcome thing but other other than that it just sounds annoying okay now i know this is a jump cut and so we only have a little limited amount of time but i do want to ask josh and chris since you guys do watch the show your brief thoughts on the finale or breaking bad as a whole and then what did you think about these three additional episodes so josh what do you think well, okay, brief and then brief. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can't be brief about this show, really, but That's true. since we're not actually doing anything plot-related, it was fantastic. It was... How do I sum I thought you were going to cry. I, th- I thought you were about to tear up. <laughs> now, let's, no, I'm guys, let's get this straight now. Josh it. hates Shakespeare, but he loves him some Breaking Bad. <laughs> I hate Shakespeare. All right? Just, you know, mild distaste. There you go. Oh, my gosh. But Vince Gilligan is... He's brilliant, and this is, it is one of the, like I said, one of the TV phenomena of our generation, how it's gained such a huge audience through its run and woven everything together, answered questions that it posed earlier in the series, and not felt artificial, not felt like a cop-out at the end. It was just 
great all around. So moving on to the other part of the question, this does this business model sound familiar to anyone else? I mean, I know it hasn't been done in TV before, but so you have this large amount of really great content and then you sell tiny pieces of the content for money. I don't know what you're talking about, Josh. You don't know what I'm talking about. I have yeah. no idea. I, I mean, I, I only I have in so. bold caps, I hate micropayments. That's all, I, that's all I've got. <laughs> Literally, that's the only thing I have written. So yes, yes, it, it does sound like micropayments. It also sounds like a drug deal. <laughs> the idea that a rich dude wow. wanted to sell off this extra content a tiny bit of a time. Wow, dude. As if it were an actual drug. Give them the first one as a hook. <laughs> yep. First one's free. The first five wow. seasons. Yeah, and the first webisode might have been free. Oh, I'm sure it would have been. <laughs> it's ironic and it's terrible, but it's not really surprising. I'm just glad Vince Gilligan didn't sell out to him. I've read an article or two about how Breaking Bad reflects Vince Gilligan's view of the way the world works morally speaking and how it really was a good honest morality tale and i'm glad vince is following through on these things and not giving into i'm mean, 75 million dollars a lot of money for of money. episodes yep. but yeah no good doubt. for you vince all right chris what about you yeah the show was absolutely fantastic one of the very best most thrilling amazing characters i mean they really, they, they really did a great job with every single bit. It's one of those shows that does the ending very well. Um, most television shows botch that up very badly. And this show did an amazing job of being able to tell a whole story from, you know, inception to end. It, is, it, it was a very well done series. I can't recommend it high enough. I think it's one of those things that you could, um, even in years from now, you could sit somebody down and they could watch through and, and be thrilled and, and really enjoy it. So it, it, it's, it's a fantastic show and it deserves all the praise it's getting. This business model, I don't think makes any sense whatsoever for this show, other than the fact it has such a high viewership that it would have probably made a lot of money. Uh, and that's obviously the reason why this guy was willing to invest 75. He wasn't paying $75 million. He's investing $75 million with the idea that he's going to get all that money back like a drug dealer, like you said, Josh. Absolutely brilliant. But I do think for other shows, it may make sense, except like maybe on the off seasons, like in between seasons for people who are interested in a show. But the only way that I would do it is if I could pay one price and then download all of them and watch them all at once the whole like you know you pay one dollar per that's fantastic if you know but if you're a fan of the show you're going to buy all of them anyway and I find that just to be insane why in the world like stretch it out why not just say a mid-season you know mini series you know in between season one series season two season three season four whatever and then just pay whatever 12 bucks 13 bucks and get another three free episodes fantastic or three not free but three you know additional episodes so it could work but not in this series that doesn't make any sense it's over it's done it's finished it was fantastic yeah and i'm gonna ring that bell again it's one of the great television shows period this show was able to create and sustain a sense of tension and expectation at such oh a gosh. high level <laughs> in in such a way that i've never experienced in, te in a certainly in a television show and it primarily because you care about 
all of the characters, or I did, on both sides, whether that whether you hated them or loved them or rooted for whomever you rooted for. Which is insane, right? Most it absolutely you is. You side and you say, yep. I want this person or that person. But this one, you're like, I want everybody to win. It but is. No my, one's going to. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know about that. I was actually having a conversation. Really? Yeah. Well, I was having a conversation with my brother the other day, and I'm not going to get into any names, but it's no secret that over the course of five seasons, there are people that die in this show. Uh, and as the show was wrapping up, we were talking about the fact that no matter who dies, if if anyone did die, and this was before it finished, we don't we're not going to like it. <laughs> you know, it was like I don't want this person or that person or that person. So, just a wonderful show, beautifully written, supremely well acted. Uh, it's just oh gosh, just great, yeah. just one of the best ever. If you haven't seen Breaking Bad, you absolutely must see it. Now, as far as the the three additional episodes. I think it's a wonderful idea if you are if you have a show that is this popular because and from a monetary gain standpoint they would make it by the truckload. No As doubt. a consumer, I hate everything about it. There's just no <laughs> nothing in now if they just wanted to release new content that you had to pay to access if it were, you know, full shows I, yeah, I'm sure I would I would I would buy it, but I just this model I hate everything about it. Unfortunately, I think you're right. The same thing that happened to games where you get the free game and then you pay to get other parts of it yeah. is going to eventually make its way into television and then I'm going to really hate my life. But if it is what it is and if it is ever going to work, it would be a show of this caliber that that would make it happen, which by the way, I'll just say this before we segue. Uh we made our predictions on the Emmy for Breaking Bad and it was actually the first part of this last season and it won. And one, I don't know that many of us uh, predicted it, but I imagine it will win again next year as well. It's just spectacular. Welcome to the main event. In our main event this week, we're going to be talking about Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity. Beautiful, don't you think? What? The sunrise. All right, guys. So this week we're talking about Gravity. I saw the trailer several months ago and was captivated. It looked fantastic, but I had no idea what the movie was about. And I don't want to give away anything with our little first part of the discussion here because the the actual synopsis and summary of this film is way too simple. And um, so I just want to get our overall feeling on what we thought about the film. If you think it was worth uh, going to see, I've heard a lot of critics 
talk about it being a renaissance in cinema and changing the way we see movies. Um, there's a lot of high praise right now for this film. And so I want to kind of bring it down to brass tacks a little bit and see what we actually thought of um, the film and what we came away with. And then we'll get into spoilers a little bit later on. So let's start off with Melody. What did you think? What did you think of Gravity? I thought that the film was breathtaking. Visually, it was just mind-blowing several times. Um, the action scenes were amazing. So, so good. I do have to say, if you don't see the film in IMAX 3D, you're really not seeing the film. Um, th I think this is one of the ones that like absolutely must be seen in IMAX 3D. Hopefully, you guys all saw it that way. I thought the performances were great. <clears throat> I was afraid... The movie was going to get really boring. Um, I mean, I was just not sure how long I would really care to follow someone just free floating in outer space. Um, but it was completely the opposite of boring. When I walked out of the theater, I just just like I need a nap, like I need a massage is what I really need right now. So um, it was definitely a physically like draining movie for me. I was very invested. I, I, I could talk a, a little bit more about it later, but it kind of it kind of feels and I think that was the intention for you to feel like you're kind of like you're you're in the spacesuit with her. Like you're experiencing what she's experiencing throughout the movie. And um, it was great. I'm not sure like if it's remotely realistic. I don't really know about the whole science behind the movie and like it was, if a lot of that is possible or probable or whatever. But I, I enjoyed it mostly, obviously from a visual perspective. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised with the story and with the acting. And I feel like it's the best movie I've seen in the theater in quite a while. Josh, how about you? Did gravity pull you? Oh. See, I was ready to talk. <laughs> Thank you for that, Chris. Now, when I first saw the trailer a few months ago, I, I got to admit, it was such a teaser. It was so short. It, it looked, I, I guess it looked cool, but I really wasn't sure what I was going to think about the movie because I wasn't sure what the movie was. And because they did such a great job of not giving it away, with any of the trailers that I saw, at least. I really don't want to say much about the movie until we get to the spoiler section. Yeah, definitely. But I will say that Gravity was very impressive on a number of levels. Like Melody said, visually, I saw it in 3D. It wasn't a true IMAX screen, but it was in 3D, which I can argue about whether or not that had an impact. It probably made it a little better. I don't know. Wow. But maybe the most impressive to me personally was the effect that the movie had on the audience that I saw it with. We were at a fairly full theater. There was even a little girl who was way too young to be there in the row right behind us. And usually those two things would be a recipe for me having a bad movie experience because I'm a misanthrope. But this was completely different. For the whole movie, everyone was entranced. There yeah. was very little, if any, food-related noise. People with their popcorn and their plastic wrappers that drive me insane. I can't remember the little girl making a peep, and she was definitely talking before the movie started. And overall, it was this dramatically different theater experience than maybe I've ever had. And I think that that by itself speaks to something special that Cuadron and the whole crew did with this movie. It was it was unique, mm -hmm. and it was it was really great. So yes, see it um, to sum that up. Yeah, Chad, what did you think, man? 
I went to, I was actually in Atlanta when I saw this movie. My wife and I went to go see it. And so I got to see it in a, a real IMAX. I don't have, I have some of the LIMAX screens around me uh, in Nashville and Knoxville. So I was very excited to see this in true IMAX 3D. And I agree with Melody that there is simply no other way to experience this movie. It was, it, as a matter of fact, there were several people that left the movie after about 10 minutes in. This opening shot is, oh. I don't know the, the exact length, oh. but it's at least 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, that's a single take shot, and it's the camera is swimming around in space. And there were people that had to leave with like motion sickness kind of stuff, yeah. I would imagine. Um, especially in the you know the IMAX 3D. It, it's a technical marvel. I mean, I, I I probably feel like my jaw dropped maybe six times and just hung open like I cannot put into words how appreciative appreciative I was of the craft that went into this movie. Um, and so for that reason alone, I'd recommend it. Uh, emotionally, uh, I think it's a drain. Like Melody said, you leave and you feel like you need a massage. And I think part of that is because this movie happens in space. And so for me, this is very similar to the Jaws effect. You know, in the movie Jaws, it's so scary because you can't see the shark, but you know that if you get in the water, there's a chance that you could die. And the thing about this in space is that Every second, if anything happens, you could die. Death is constant. Everything is a shark. That's yeah. exactly right. Death is constantly, the threat of death is constantly there. And then when you add in the geometry of, you know, if you bounce a certain way, then you go there and you can never, you know, be reached and all that. It's just, it's a perfect uh, example of just the height of tension in a film. Uh, so overall, I, I have to just, you know, pile on and say that it needs to be seen. I can't say that it was like my favorite movie, but it was unlike anything that I'd ever seen uh, before. And it, it's a beautiful piece of work. It's art. It's it's magnificent. And the things that they do technically are a wonder. So, yeah, you need to see this movie uh, just as fast as you can. I have nothing, no complaints. It was It was really great. This movie is an experience, and I think it is something that is completely different and unique. <clears throat> and I was going to call up that that 10 or 15 minute opening shot because I, my, I literally was thinking to myself the entire time, I cannot believe I am watching this right mm -hmm. now. I know obviously that they're shooting this on green screen. I know obviously there were cuts and there's camera trickery and all that kind of stuff. But my goodness, it just, it felt like one seamless shot. And there was one moment where um, Melody reminded me where they cut and it's the most dramatic and it's so it's a frightening moment when you when it cuts for the very first time, mm -hmm. not just because of what's going on, but the way it's edited. It's it just it, it literally they, they made that choice. They they made a decision. Um, that's going to be the cut. Yeah, that that's going to be the first cut. And it, it's just it's beautiful <laughs> when, when yeah. you think when you step away from even the story and you think about the actual technicality of the filmmaking, it is unbelievably brilliant. And, and this movie it's a thrill ride. Um, it is. It's 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 a it's a ride ride. I mean, I, when I when we finished when the movie stopped, <laughs> um, I sat in my seat, and most of the theater did too. Most of the time, you know, when when a theater when when the theater um, you know the lights come up, people start getting up out of their seats and start moving. In our theater, everyone just sat there yeah. and took a breath. Uh, but I would let's let's just go around the table one more time and just say whether or not we would recommend this film. I think obviously it's going to be a yes from everybody. But I I can't recommend this film higher. I'm a sci-fi guy. I love space. 
go see this movie. Just drop what you're doing. You will not regret spending the time. It's amazing. So, Melody. Yeah, Yeah, you got to see it. You got to see it in 3D IMAX if you can get there. That's the way to see it. So, do it. Josh. Ditto, yes. See it. In the theater. In the theater. Yeah, you have to see it. And and, and if you can't... My heart is happy. You people know what you're hearing right now. Ziggler just said, go see a movie in the theater. But Josh, but Josh, you would agree. That this is this is the reason why this is the reason why you want to go see something in the theater. This kind of movie because I don't think you would have this experience anywhere else other than the theater, right? I mean, you can't you can't reproduce this. In- no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, and this is this yeah. is maybe the only movie yep. that I actually <laughs> believe that for. I, I, I kind of agree. But with you, you do. Josh. There's one, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But but if they if they would be making more because this is the same guy who I, we haven't said this yet, but the director is the same guy who did Children of Men, mm-hmm. um, and you know there's this great shot in Children of Men. It's a one shot. Um, where it goes into a car and there's a gunshot in the battle that comes out of the car. It's just this amazing like five or six minute just sequence that is so pulse pounding and tense. Yeah, but you could enjoy Children of Men not in the theater. Um, yeah. I agree. And that's what I was about to say is, is that this is like the the step up from that where this is cinematic experience at its best. So, Chad, what do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yes, 100%. Go see it. IMAX 3D. See it multiple times. Support this kind of filmmaking because it is, it's rare. It makes me want to make movies so bad. No doubt. (laughs) It's just like, it's like a Jurassic Park type experience for me. Makes me want to buy a giant studio with green screens and jibs. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) And to say, and, and give some talented people some freedom to just create. All right, guys, let's stop the conversation and just go straight into spoilers. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. All right, so what do we want to talk about? The first cut is what I really want to talk about. Does everybody remember what that cut was? Did it strike you as much as it did us? The very, very slow pan over the blue marble. What? Blue marble is a NASA project photographing Earth satellite pictures. Never mind. (laughs) What are you you talking about? Would you like me to send you a link? (laughs) I guess so. I don't know what you're talking about. Pictures of Earth from space. Never mind. Okay. Like once the main like ten or fifteen minute sequence starts is what Chris is talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the cut where they end that piece of it. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the Earth. No, no, no. I'm talking about they, 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 they begin this pan that just goes on and on and on. And the, just, the camera's following them. Sandra Bullock gets you know lost and then she comes back. And the first time it cuts is to the their their astronaut friend who had their face was bashed in that was the first cut that that actually goes away from one thing to something else and then back um it was it was brilliant yeah that opening shot is i mean you can't the high, you almost can't be too hyperbolic about it because it's yeah. unlike anything that has ever been done or seen in the history of cinema and on, it keeps going on it's, that level and it didn't yeah. get boring and it wasn't oh. it didn't draw attention to itself i imagine that most people didn't even realize that they watched, you know, a, f- right. a thirteen-minute one take. It was fluid. It felt. It felt because it felt like you were literally floating in space. Exactly. It gave you that feeling. Yeah. The that physical you were there. effect of it was what was so powerful. Even if you don't know anything about filmmaking and you wouldn't, Man. you don't notice if it's cutting or not. What you notice is the way you feel. Yeah. Like you feel like you are her. You feel like you're floating around in space for fifteen minutes. 
freaking amazing. It's crazy. Yeah, it was good. And I think, you know, a challenge with a movie like this is that, and I think the total runtime on this is about an hour and 30 minutes, but that even with the spectacular events that happen with the debris cycling around every 90 minutes, which was great, whether that was accurate or not, it's great <laughs> because, you know, it's coming care. back. It doesn't um, matter. Right, yeah. It totally doesn't matter. Uh, it's difficult to sustain a film with two people talking, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But I never was bored. I never – I was invested the whole time. And I thought – Go ahead. barely two people. At some, yeah, at some point, it was just a lot one of the time. person. That's it was true. Just sat, she deserves another Oscar, in my opinion, for this performance. I, I was – totally yeah. impressed it was great. with what she was doing because like when she won the first Oscar I was like well that was kind of just a fluke but it was like a lifetime achievement award yeah she's pretty fantastic in this movie I, yeah. Man, yeah she was great yeah and the second time the I guess it's the second big event but the first time the debris comes back when she's trying to get to the oh. first space that sequence was so unbelievably intense and and wonderful it was so good and intense and and just perfect it was at that moment i knew why at the beginning they said there's no sound in space because i've got a feeling they did a screening for this film and people were like why don't we, why aren't we hearing you know all this stuff stuff hitting you know the this you know the the iss or whatever Why, why aren't we you know feeling all this and that is the reason why that sequence was oh yeah unbelievably breathtaking unbelievable it was great it was did you guys for any even for a second think when um clooney's character came back that he was actually back (laughs) no not at all because that would have been the worst that this movie was so fantastic and firing on all cylinders that if that would have actually happened i would have Oh, it would have ruined the movie for me. Sure. And I was sitting next to a friend. We went to see this movie with some friends <laughs> who genuinely thought that he was back. Yeah. And so when it panned over and he wasn't there, I was like, okay, good. Fantastic. Thank, Thank you, director <laughs> and writer, for not ruining everything. He was genuinely shocked. He was like, oh, no. Like, there was this audible. <laughs> and I was like, seriously, dude, come on now. Let's, let's, let's. But uh, I, I really loved that scene because, I mean, like, obviously for a little while I was debating, like, did they did they actually do this? Like, why the, would they the only, ruin such an amazing movie? The only thing option for me was that he, that she had died and she was now right. ascent. I didn't know if they were going to now, you know, tackle the afterlife or something. Right. I was like, okay, we're getting ethereal <laughs> now, or we like, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? It was already it, very. It was going very that like way. out of left field for everything that had been happening yeah, in the agree. movie so far, yeah. but. When I was thinking back on it, like, I totally think that that is possibly something that, like, I would have done. Like, she's sitting there contemplating life or death, like, losing her mind and, like, having a conversation with someone that she trusts. Like, I think that's She was working it out. Yeah. She was working it out. I totally think if I would have been in that situation, that is what I would have done. I would have, like, made a fake conversation with somebody and figured it out. And that's because she's, yeah, because she's completely isolated. I I mean, I I bought it. I mean, it it made sense after her because, I mean, everything she knew, she had all of that information from her training. She just couldn't recall it. So she went unconscious. She recalled it. And then she was able to turn the light on where the light was supposed to be, like he had done, to figure it out and and move on. It was great. Completely unconscious. Like I think that is a reasonable conscious thing yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah. Even you know what I mean. And like I was reading a review that were like, oh, why did they have to put that gotcha moment in there? And I, to me, it wasn't a gotcha moment. It was like, yeah. oh, that's a logical thing that would happen, and I like it. Well, so I'll I'll admit I'll I'll admit to being a little bit out to lunch on this one because for a second there, 
I did think that's what they had done, and I was kind of pissed because yeah. when the door opened, her head should have exploded. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And then when he went away, I was like, okay. That, right. It, and it made sense for all the reasons you guys said. I was like, yeah, well, she's running out of oxygen and hallucinating him, telling her what her unconscious mind is telling her. That makes perfect sense to me. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Obviously, it's a little bit of literary, you know, you know, they, they took a little bit of license there. But I think it, it works in the storytelling sense. What did you guys think of her backstory? Oh, yeah. That whole conversation. Yeah. With her, her four-year-old daughter dying. Like, for me, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. I feel like maybe that was a little bit like, let's, we got to throw something emotional in here to create something to talk about and think about or whatever. I'm not sure that was like the super best writing choice but like I freaking cried when she was <laughs> oh, yeah. like landing well, and the like, performance no I mean I was crying I was literally crying maybe yeah. it's because I have a four-year-old daughter but like when she's talking to to Kowalski about you know I'm gonna make it and I'm not coming yet but I'm proud of her and like I was just crying <laughs> like it was, sure. it was a really really good performance with with the content but I don't know what did what did you guys think about that backstory I don't I don't typically like anything in a backstory that is uh, that seems designed just to elicit emotion, but at the same time, the fact fact of life is that sometimes those kinds of things happen to people. And so uh, it was okay for me when she delivered that specific performance that you're talking about, because I'll be honest, I got choked up as well. Yeah. And I think it is you know, partially because I have a young child and just thinking in the trying to put myself in that same space that she was in, I thought uh, literally, I, 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 yeah, I would be doing the same, mm-hmm. you know, the exact same thing. And it was very powerful and it, it seemed authentic to me. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that performance in that moment almost justified it being in there in the first place for me. That's kind of yeah. exactly how I feel. Yeah, about they, it. they just set up that I was like, well, that's kind of weak. But then for me, like it felt like she was suddenly, I mean, obviously I'm coming at it because I'm a, you know, I don't say religious person, but, you know, it felt like at that moment she had kind of um, accepted what was happening and right. that she had a purpose and she was even praying. You know what I mean? They even alluded to prayer and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I thought it was one of those. I, th- I think the setup was kind of weak, but the payoff was yeah. was very powerful. Anything else we want to talk about? I mean, I think we've we've. I mean, yeah, if we're going to talk about spoilers, I think I think the one thing where it kind of stretched it for me. But but at that point, I was so much in that I was just like, okay, was the fact that she survived, you know, the fact that all of that stuff happened and she landed in the water, which, by the way, was awesome that she landed and then almost drowned. Oh, (laughs) how great would that be if she made it all the way to the earth and then they killed her in the bottom of the water? (laughs) But see, that's the thing. Like, I, I did not know if she was going to survive and that was the biggest right. deal like normally they they because you know, if this were real she wouldn't have but but no i mean she, people doing extraordinary things all the time and I, I i obviously this is way way beyond most the most of those things but i i feel like most movies i can read very well pretty well you know they, they telecast you know you're almost like yeah i know where this movie's going and but i honestly didn't and that was one of the reasons why i was so like i white knuckle like you sure. know totally into it because I was just like I don't know if they're going to kill her I agree. at the last second I don't know if the, yeah. what, I don't know what well, they're going to do I think the reason why is because she doesn't necessarily have anything to live for right and up until that moment but once she does then you're really like okay 
get home. Come on. You know yeah. what I mean? No, I t- it totally worked. It totally worked. For me, though, it just I, right. I, it stretched credibility just a little thin. But like I said, I was still I was still so invested that I forgave it. And I, in particular, I loved the fact that that she kicked dirt on the camera lens and they just left it. And they they were left like, it. Here we go. We just and they left it for like twenty five seconds or whatever it was to walk out. And I thought, yeah, I like I this director a lot. <laughs> I, I was say, especially with the three D, like it felt yeah, like you got it was great. Freaking dirt on your eye. Yeah. And I'm, but I, you, that's an interesting point. Do you think they did that on purpose, or do you think that was a mistake? I thought, they so. left it in? I thought I, they. I thought it was on purpose. Yeah. My my personal reading was that it wasn't on purpose, but that the take was so good that they said, screw it, and we'll just leave it in there. But I could be – I mean, it could have been on purpose. Sure. Either way, it, it was the right choice. It felt so, like, relief, so, like, literally I'm going to kick earth in your face. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm home. You know what I mean? Like, it was – it was pretty spectacular. Yeah, it was good. I, I don't think that there's any – there are lots of good movies coming up in the fall that uh, that are going to be vying for Academy Awards and lots of different you know arenas. But I, I will be shocked if this doesn't absolutely sweep all of the technical awards. Visual uh, effects I mean, was just spectacular. Yeah, it was. Sound design, all that all stuff. All of it. It's just amazing. All of it. Yeah, and I, I don't it, know. Sorry, go ahead. I, I'm going to have to break ranks here on just a little bit. And I should have done this when you guys were in the thick of the conversation a, a second ago. No, but ahead. my actual one gripe with the movie was the fact that they kept her in nonstop crisis mode the entire time. And I differ from you, Chris, in that I didn't really doubt that the way they handled each successive crisis, I didn't really doubt that she would survive in the end. You really and didn't so, think when she was in that capsule at the very end and she was about to die that they were just going to end the movie there? I thought she was going to die. No. I really did. I, mean, I, I thought no, it, that was It was where one thing go. after another. It was, and she should she should have died halfway through the movie if she was going to die. I, and something, I don't know, that it was one thing after another. And they the shame was that they had this unique environment that they set up so well and this chance to make, well, let's call it, a version of the fountain that people are actually watching. <laughs> yeah. And instead of taking a few minutes here and there to explore, I don't do some something a little more introspective. She's thrown into this other life-threatening situation that she escapes through ingenuity or luck. And it kept the movie exciting and it yeah. kept the audience engaged. But I, there's a part of me that thinks it's a missed opportunity to I do something. I feel like there's a lot that there is those moments. I mean, there is a lot of moments where it, it does slow down and yeah, they're the just whole, talking. When she takes, when she takes her space suit off. off. I mean, that's yeah. definitely a moment. I mean, all that, and, and you're right, though, but t- t- you're right at the same time, Josh. This is definitely geared toward satisfying. It's It feels like an art house film with a budget and then action on top. You know what I mean? Like For me, it just, they want to go there. And I think you're right, Josh, if, if they would have not had the budget that's probably where where they would have ended up is a little bit more introspective and not so much action. But when you've got all the toys, I feel like, you know, they 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 did a pretty great job of delivering a film that was exciting, was impactful um, and didn't get so bogged down with, you know, the you know, all these kind of like other ideas that they could have brought. I, th- I think they, they did a good job some, with it. They had some they did. religious yeah, like nods with the, the Jesus picture and then the yeah. Buddha and yeah, you yeah. know, I mean Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think you're I think you're right, Josh though. I can see what you're saying. I definitely see what you're saying, but I, I think yeah. I think it was still Yeah, I see what you're saying. You're did. just completely wrong. 
Yeah. 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 yeah okay. That's, that, Thank that's you, right. Josh. He has to have something to complain that's about. That's right. That's <laughs> right. He is Josh after all. Well, I do have a, another question too, and my one. This is a little thing, but I would just had to wonder where was the oxygen tank on the Russian space suit that she put on? Because she was out of the capsule way too long to survive on whatever oxygen was in that suit. And it had no there's, external tank that there, I saw. There's a there's a lot of those kind of questions. I, I saw um, I can't remember DeGrice Tyson, I think is his name. He's a one of these Neil pop- DeGrasse Tyson. Yes, yeah, thank you. Um, no he did like a whole like Twitter thing, like problems with gravity. Oh, I'm sure he did. And you know, to be honest with you, yeah, absolutely. This this is it, it, it is a little bit of that kind of blurring between um, reality and sci-fi, and there's a lot more sci-fi, especially in the action bits. But at the same time, they do a very good job with like what I would classify as the the science in that sci-fi that we talk a lot about, Josh, um, where there is you know there is no noise happening in space. But then there are all those bits that they say we're going to have an action bit and we're just going to forget what would actually happen in reality. But for me, it's so nitpicky that it doesn't ruin the movie. Yeah, my, my whole my my philosophy on that kind of stuff is that if the rest of the experience is strong enough, I will choose to overlook that because it's it goes back to just the age-old storytellers. When you tell a story, you embellish it. You, yeah. yeah, you embellish it to make it entertaining. And so, you know, those kinds of gripes don't really I don't I don't pay attention to them unless the movie is absolutely terrible and then I jump on board and pile <laughs> right. on it. So, right. you know. Let's keep going. But if it's great, then just you have to I think you need to just allow yourself to enjoy the experience and the narrative. The cutting room floor. For this week's cutting room floor, we're going to talk about the new fall TV lineup specifically about some of the shows that we've been watching this fall, talk about things that we like, talk about things maybe that are surprises, and maybe even things that we're a little bit disappointed in. Let's start with Josh. Josh, you got anything new that you've been watching this fall that you'd like to talk about? You know, actually I do. We're First off, we're glad to see Parks and Recreation back. However, we caught up on the entire series over the summer, and failed to realize that Netflix doesn't have the most recent season. No. Right. Which it, they say it started in 2009 and they had four seasons on Netflix so there was a fifth season somewhere which does not work in my head with Matt. <laughs> but, oh. So we watched the first episode of this season and we're like uh, this a little too much has gone on. Clever <laughs> artistic. <laughs> yeah. But oh well. I no. still haven't seen Parks and Rec. I, I've got to get going on that. You got to get on. Oh, I know, I know. It's so good. It's so great. I am ashamed. <laughs> Consistently funny. So the actual new shows, new this fall that we've been watching. Uh, so far, we've seen the first two episodes of the Crazy Ones and the first two of the Blacklist. Mm-hmm. Ah. The Crazy Ones is that uh, Robin Williams advertising. Co- you That's know. a bummer. I totally forgot about that. Thank David you for Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. It is David Kelly, isn't it? It is indeed. That's another one of the reasons I was excited to see it. Mm-hmm. But more on that in a second. And the blacklist is the James Spader crime drama thing. So the crazy ones. I wanted to like it. David Kelly makes good shows. Yep. Robin Williams, presumably funny, used to be funny. <laughs> the crazy ones, not so great. Oh, man, that's a bummer. Well, you know, I'm only two episodes into it. It could theoretically find its feet. But it's a typical CBS show. It's just... 
written flat. It's not funny. And the blacklist. Uh, the first episode was a little rocky. The second episode, it's starting to pick up a little bit. I love James Spader. I couldn't help but give the show a shot just for that. I wouldn't normally watch this type of a crime drama, but I had to give it a shot for James Spader. Yeah. And so far, I think I'll keep going with it. Um, I'm not sure whether I'm going to make it the whole season, but I'm going to see if it if it brings me along. So far, it's decent. Okay. So that's my summary. Cool. I haven't watched Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hope someone's seen that so they can tell me about it. <laughs> okay. Should well, we jump on and, and talk about the uh, the ones that we've seen that he has? Like sure. Blacklist yeah. I've seen. L- let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, so has anybody has anybody else watched The Crazy Ones? Chris or Melody, you guys, have you seen that at all? No. Okay. I've actually watched the first two episodes as well. I'm a little bit more positive than Josh. I agree that part of the problem that you have with Robin Williams is that you know, you either love him or you don't. And they, I was hoping that David Kelly would pull him back a little bit, um, like he did with William Shatner in Boston Legal. It was still William Shatner, but it was kind of pulled back. With this show, he's just in his full, you know, Robin Williams <laughs> mode. But I, I do think, I do think the idea behind it is pretty good, and I'm hoping that it gets a little better. I think it's okay, but yeah, I'm with Josh. If it doesn't pick up, I won't. I definitely won't. Love it. But now let's move to the blacklist. Have you guys seen the blacklist, Chris and Melody? Yeah, I'm yep. caught up. So what do you think? Um, I think it's very networky, but I for overall I love James Spader just like Josh said. And so I'll definitely be in. There there's a lot of alias type stuff in it where there's a monster of the week story that's being told every single week, but also there's this thin thread of mystery about a greater story and um, kind of mythology going on. And so that's what I'm really enjoying. I I wish they'd focus more on that than uh, I've got a new guy on the list this week. But I think it's um, I think it'll get better once it finds out what kind of a show it wants to be and what the fans really want. And I think that overall they've got something there that could be because I really loved Alias, and Alias was very similar to that until it got into its, it got its you know footing in its you know third and fourth season, um, and so I really think that um, I think it could be a very good show and end up being pretty spectacular, yeah. especially with James Spader. What about you, Melody? Yeah, I like it. I, I feel quite similar to Chris. Um, I obviously love James Spader. I'm not sure about the main girl. Like I'm not super in love with her or anything yet. Um, but. Uh, Again, I'm not compelled at all by the what Chris terms monster of the week thing. Like I haven't found that part of the show interesting and my mind has wandered to other things whilst watching it. But um, as far as the overarching direction of the show, I have hope and I'll keep watching. I saw it got greenlit for the whole season. So it did. did it? Yeah, great. Good. Okay, good. I'm not wasting my time. Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't love these kinds of shows. Like I don't I can't get into these kind of shows because they're so networky. They're so polished and clean and safe. And it's yeah. just hard for me to it's hard for me to get in it. So I don't you know, the blacklist maybe we'll see. But um yeah, that's that's kinda where I am. And those are really the only two I was gonna talk about. So Chris and Melody, are have you guys started anything new other than these two shows? Have either of you seen Agents of Shield? I just caught up on the, the, the third episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, okay. I'm caught up. So what do you guys think about that? Have you guys not seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., either one of you? Not yet. No. Oh, my gosh. You're the only one, Chris. All right, well, I don't want to ruin anything for you then. Um, I've heard people talk about it not in a positive way, so I'm curious really? to see what you would say. 
I actually quite enjoy it um, because I'm a Joss Whedon fan. Not this is not. Let me say this: this is not a very good Marvel show. This is a good Joss Whedon show um, in that it's very well. It's it's cleverly written. It's got his you know his jabs in there. Um, the the characters are very much like what I would have expected from the Buffy series, the Angel series. Um, very very much that kind of you know quirkiness. Like you know when you're watching an Aaron Sorkin film mm-hmm. uh, or movie or television show or whatever. Uh, this is very much a Joss Whedon television show, even though he's not necessarily fully into it. He's still his his fingerprints are all over it. Um, and I quite enjoy it. It's it's funny. It's pretty clever. Um, and they are doing um, cameos that I was not expecting this early on in the series from characters that you are familiar with in the in the actual Marvel universe. So I think it's worth watching. Um, I think it's pretty clever, and um, I'm, I'm going to keep watching it just because I think it's it's a it's a pretty clever, fun, net definitely networky. Um, but at the same time, trying to be a little bit subversive and, and doing some fun things. So it's it's uh, it's an enjoyable experience. I, I'd recommend watching the first episode and just seeing what you think. It's it's not a bad not a bad experience. Okay. Well, is there anything else there that we want to talk about before we move on? Have you guys seen Brooklyn Nine Nine? Yeah, I was about to ask. Have you seen Brooklyn Nine Nine? That's on my list because I've heard it's pretty funny, but I haven't yet. Oh, it's good. It's so good. If you guys like Parks and Rec and The Office, it basically is that for cops. It's it's there's pretty brilliant. definitely some hysterical moments. Uh, there's some pretty good stuff there. What network is that? Uh, I believe it's is it Fox? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Andy Samberg. I just made me think of NBC, but you're right. It is. It is Fox. Yep. Uh, Sleepy Hollow. Did you guys watch Sleepy Hollow? No. Uh, no. I've heard yeah. pretty good things about it actually. Really? Which is so yeah. funny. Like so that, but that, the, that every trailer I see, I'm like, I'm not. That looks no. <laughs> did you watch it? Chris? I did. Yeah. Oh. It is. It is not good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It, 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 it is the it is the quintessential like trying to mishmash everything together, and they have no idea what they're doing. And I'm just like face palming the entire time, thinking to myself, ah, this is not good. So anyway, I, I really didn't enjoy it. I I watched the first two episodes, and then. After that, I said, I'm going to put it on hold, and if it's, like, really spectacular at the end of the first season, maybe I'll go back and revisit it. Yeah. Uh, how about the Michael J. Fox show? Did you guys watch that at all? I didn't. No. My wife has, but I have not because I don't care. I, it, what about – I, like um, I like it. Is Hannibal – is that, like, a spring show? Yeah, that, that'll be back or in summer. March, I think. Okay. You should watch Hannibal. Have you watched Hannibal no, yet? No. Guys, just watch Hannibal. Just go, go, just uh, go do it. Just go do I it. Just, I just don't care. It's so, Josh, okay, that is a ne- that is on a network show. I don't believe it. I, exactly. It's on network, and it does not feel like a network. It feels like it's on FX or AMC. Uh, it really is amazing. I cannot believe they let that thing go on yeah. regular networks. Trust me, you will you'll like it. Josh, you will like it. Well, it's just kind of the the plot the premise that i'm not really interested in a crime what's the drama premise? what's the premise you have no idea what the premise is what's the premise your premise is this segment's going too long so <laughs> the end oh, i don't want to defend my hannibal wait a minute no what, what, i'm curious what is the premise you've never even watched the show you don't even know what is it buzz what is it, it? is <laughs> it is a guy who has psychological problems so he helps a profiler get in the minds of criminals no what no no. 
Okay, it's about criminals and cops. That is the great distillation of it that I don't care about. You will, you will actually really just please try the first episode, Josh. I think you will, you will freaking love it. Because when you first you started talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, maybe he doesn't know what the show is about. How often does Josh freaking love anything? That is a very Seriously, good point. Like, yeah. what? That's gravity a very good enjoyed. Point. Thank you, Melody. Enjoyed That's gravity. This conversation. All right, we're gonna and wrap this up. Breaking Bad. You would like Hannibal, all of you. See it now. Hey, by the way, I saw so footage. Excited. Maybe we should see Hannibal. Should. Yeah, I saw footage at a conference I was at where um, Darren Aronofsky was there in person and he talked about Noah and showed footage. It oh. looks unfreaking believable. Really? Unbelievable. Anyway. Awesome. The Cutting Room Floor. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning into the Screeners Podcast. We would really love to hear from you. So if you want us to talk about something um, on the show or if you want to tell us some of your thoughts about something that we talked about, um, we'd love to hear from you. So no matter how you're used to talking to people online, there's a good chance you can get a hold of us that way, too. You can search for us on Facebook, search for Screeners Podcast. You can tweet us at ScreenersCast. Send us an email at ScreenersCast at gmail.com or leave us a comment at ScreenersPodcast.com where you can also read our amazing show notes that Josh compiles each episode. Go check them out. They're awesome. And as always, if you like what you hear, spread some love by leaving us an iTunes review. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.